Take your Bibles and turn to that passage in John 15 that I read earlier. As you're doing that, I have just a brief commercial. It's part of our growth theme this year. I have two resources available to you. One is for adults. It's a sermon notebook. It looks like this. And we'd love to have you take notes during the sermons, review them, meditate on them throughout the week, go over them for your own spiritual benefit and growth. If you'd like to have a copy of this, um, we're asking people to give $5. It doesn't cover the whole cost. If you can give $5 toward it, if that doesn't work for you, we just want you to have it for free. So feel, feel free to come up and see me after the service. I have about half my amount left, and I'd love to give you one. You don't have to pay now. You don't have to pay at all, really. But uh, especially now, you don't need to. But this is available for you. And then we also have one, and I only have a couple left, um, but we're going to get more if they're popular. We have a sermon notebook for children. And inside of it, it's for elementary school children, not beyond that. Um, but it take, you can put your name in there, take some sermon notes, has some things you could even color in while you're you know, uh, hearing the sermon so you can help pay attention. It's great. Wouldn't it be great? All of our families on the same page, listening, talking about the sermons during the week, things of that nature. That's going to help us grow in the Lord individually as a family and as a church. And so those two resources are available for you. Please see me afterwards if you're interested. John chapter 15. It's page 901 if you're using a red pew Bible in front of you. I don't know about you. Not everybody does. In fact, I know some people are deathly afraid of flying, but I love to fly. I've been on a lot of trips in recent years on various airlines, small trips, large trips, uh, trips out of the country. And what I've noticed, especially over the last number of years, that there are some things that constitute uh, standard operating procedures no matter where your plane is taking you to. And I'm sure that you're aware of it if you've flown on a flight. And I think I've heard that the, these things that they do so often that I often think that if a flight attendant got sick, I could probably stand up and do it for them. Um, and, uh, but you know how it is. They say things like, in case of an emergency situation and the cabin loses pressure, what are they going to say next? Yes, the oxygen mask is going to fall down from the ceiling, and then they're going to, every single time after that, what do they say next? Yeah, put it on yourself first. You've got to be having oxygen on, because here's what they know. If you're not breathing, you're not helping anybody else, for sure. And so they tell you to put yours on first, so then you will able, be able to help others and their need. It's very obvious if you know anything about Scripture. The Bible is very clear that we are in an emergency situation. All around us are people who desperately need, can I put it this way, spiritual oxygen. They need that oxygen and only Jesus can give it to them. But in order to best help people, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that says this, that we need to put our oxygen mask on first. Now, if you're like me, that's not really natural. If you are with your little kids and you're on a flight and you think that an emergency happened, and your little four-year-old child sitting next to you, what's your first tendency? Well, you're going to put it on them, right? And you would say out of love and concern. Of course, if you were with elderly folk and, or your parents and they struggle, you think about, I'm going to put it on them first, right? But here's what they say. You know, you can't take that risk because you need to put it on because if you don't have oxygen, you will not be able to help others. And can I tell you, spiritually speaking, not only physically, but spiritually, but that's also true spiritually. Jesus is the oxygen that sustains our lives and our mission. We have to first 
put on the oxygen of Jesus, take it in, keep the mask on, keep the oxygen flowing in our lives before we can be of any help to other people. Now that principle is expressed in a couple different ways with a couple different verbs throughout John 15. Two verbs are very important in our text. One is the word abide, and it means to stay put, remain. It's a relational term. It's used 11 times in this chapter. The other one that we want to connect together today is the verb bear fruit. It appears eight times. Okay, So we're going to keep the oxygen mask of Jesus on at all times because when we're abiding in him, we can bear fruit. We can help others put their masks on. So we have these two verbs, and we want to see how they connect to each other and how they relate to the main verse that we're going to look at, and that's chapter 15 and verse 16. So let me just define the two verbs and then make the connections and some applications for our lives today. The word abide, can I be a little more specific than I was a moment ago? It means remaining in union with someone, in this case, obviously, Jesus. It's about a reciprocal relationship. And the Bible is very clear in verse 2 that this is something it says every branch should do. So every Christian, if you are truly a believer, you will be connected to Jesus. Every person in this room today who says that they follow Jesus and his disciple needs to have a relationship where you abide in him and he abides in you. It is not a relationship that's special for some elite class of Christian that hardly anyone attains to. No, Jesus is clear. Every branch, he says, needs to abide in me and me in that branch. Need to stay connected to the vine. That's what disciples do. And he's very clear in this way because if you don't, it is descriptive of you not really being a good branch. In the text, if you read verses 3, 4, and 5, you'll find that there are two types of branches today, and everyone in this room is one of those two types of branches. There are branches that abide in Jesus, and it says, and they bear fruit. The other kind of branch is a branch that looks like they are in him and abide in him, but they don't bear any fruit. And here's what he says about that kind of branch. The bearing branch is true, but the one that doesn't bear fruit, they call it a burning branch. It take, you take it out, it withers and dies, and you burn it up. Can I say to you, there are no in-betweens. You are either a branch that is bearing or a branch that will be burned. That is the only two options. And Jesus says that it's not always easy to tell who is what? At this point of Jesus' discourse in John 13 through 17, he has told the disciples earlier, and you don't have to turn there in chapter 13, please listen. They were sitting around the table having the Passover, and Jesus is on his hands and knees, and he is wiping or washing their feet, and he turns to them and says, You are all clean except one. Judas wasn't all clean. He was not a believer. He looked like it. He had followed Jesus. It looked like he was connected, but he really wasn't. And in our text, it says, in chapter 15 and verse 3, already you are all clean. So here's what he's saying. See, everyone here is clean except Judas. He looks like he's attached. He looks like he's got the Jesus oxygen going. But the reality is he does not. See, that's what I want to 
encourage you to evaluate this morning. Which branch, which kind of branch are you? See, the ones that don't bear any fruit, i.e. Judas, they're not really branches. And judgment awaits them. But those who do bear fruit, Jesus says, verse 8, read it for yourself. If you bear fruit, you prove to be my disciple. So you can say that you're a branch, you say you have the oxygen on, you say that you abide in him, and the proof is not a subjective statement made by you, it's an objective reality evaluated by Jesus, which says, when I look at your life, is there really fruit? That's important for us. Jesus said in John 2, 23, It says of Jesus, I should say, that when he went to Jerusalem, many believed in him when they saw the signs and wonders that he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them. Why? Because he knew what was in men. In other words, there are people who believe on a certain level. But Jesus says, I don't commit to them because I know what's really on the inside. And here's what he would say. His word is not on the inside. Jesus says in our text in chapter 15, if you abide in me, listen, and not him anymore, he says, and my words abide in you, then you will bear fruit. John 60 was a turning point in Jesus' ministry. He's giving a very difficult discourse, and he's telling people that they should eat his flesh and drink his blood. And that was a hard thing for them to grasp, especially if they didn't think it was metaphorical. And Jesus is basically saying, if you don't imbibe me and feed on me, and if I'm not your life, then you really have no part of me. And verse 60 of chapter 6, it says, and many of them stopped following Jesus. They went back. They didn't follow. They gave up on being his disciple. And the reason was, it says, they told him this was a hard word to understand. And they were saying this, your word is not really in us. So we don't get it, and we don't want it, and we're not going to follow you anymore. And Jesus turns to the rest of the disciples around him, and they said, will you also go away? And here's what Peter says, ready? Lord, where will we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. See, Peter was saying, listen, Lord, we don't understand everything, and some of it's really hard to get. But here's what we know. We know who you are and that your words are eternal life. And those words are in us. We're not going anywhere. Jesus was having in chapter 8 another conversation with the religious leaders. And they were trying to say, hey, we are Abraham's seed. And so we are really God's chosen people. And we were born that way because we are Jewish. And they even said to Jesus, wow, we know you were born of fornication. So the back and forth between them. And in chapter 8, listen to this, in verse 31, Jesus says to this group of people who said they believed on him, if my words abide in you, they will set you free. Listen. Six verses later, he's talking to those very same group of people who profess belief in him. And he says to them, I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me. And here's why he says they're going to do that. Because my word has no place in you. Do you see what Jesus is saying? How do I know, Pastor Walker, objectively? How do I know if I'm his disciple? How do I know if I'm abiding in him? Here's what he says. 
His word is in you. Not just because you read it, not just because you hear a sermon, but because it transforms your life. You are growing. You are becoming more like Jesus. Abiding is becoming more like him. That's what the Bible says. And his word has a place. He goes on later to expound on that. Listen to this. If you keep my commandments, then my word is in you and you abide in my love. So how do you abide in Jesus? Here's the two things. You abide in his word and you abide in his love. And you know what that comes out to equal? Obedience. Obedience. It's not coming to church. It's not singing the songs. It's a life of conformity to who Jesus is and what he's all about. Therefore, Jesus can't help but say to all of us, as he did to his disciples, listen to this, without me, you can do nothing. See, abiding is a relationship of absolute dependence. I go over, she's not here today, but Pastor Steve and I go over every once in a while and we visit Carolyn Stout. Carolyn Stout has a lung disease. And she's already gone past the time that they thought that she would live. But if you go over to Carolyn's house and you open the door, immediately you'll know that she is very dependent on oxygen because there's a cord running all over the place. She drags it wherever she goes. She has the thing in her nose and she has the tank and she takes it wherever she goes. If you see her in church and you you hear something like a little rest, I think Darth Vader's back there, a little respirator. You know why? Because she can't go anywhere without it. She sleeps with it on, I've asked her. She takes it wherever she goes. There's not a place that Carolyn Stout goes where she's not on oxygen. See, that's what abiding is. See, abiding is Jesus. Is there's not a place I go. There's nothing I do, not day, nor night, nor any other, anything, not any relationship that isn't affected by my relationship with him. I'm abiding in him, depending on him. And when that happens in my life, then I'm going to be able to help others. If you abide in me and your word abides in me, see, then Jesus says that you'll be able to grow in your relationship with Christ. Abiding in Jesus at its root is making Jesus the center of everything in your life, every moment of your life. Follow the pronouns in this chapter alone. Jesus says, my word, my love, my joy, my peace, my name, my father, my commandments, my friends. Do you get the idea? He wants your life to be completely conformed to his. His friends, his joy, his peace, not yours. That's the first verb, abiding. It's about staying in him. But then he does and throws a wrench in it. In chapter 15 and verse 16, he says, you didn't choose me, I chose you, I appointed you. Those are commissioning missionary terms. That you should go. Now, I looked at the text and I go, well, which one is it? Here, you build the whole chapter up saying, abide, stay put, stay in me, stay, stay, stay. And then he says, now you got to go. And the word go is the same word Jesus used in chapter 16 when he tells his disciples, I'm leaving you and I'm going back to my father. I'm basically leaving. So Jesus says, here's the secret to being my disciple. You got to stay. And then he tells them, by the way, and then you need to go. And that's the truth. It's both. Staying in Jesus and going for Jesus need to go together. Can I note this for you? Abiding produces going. That produces fruit. But not just temporary fruit. Did you see what the verse 16 says? Fruit that what? Abides. 
So here's the formula. Can I give it to you as our Vision Sunday statement today? Ready? Only people who are abiding in Jesus can produce abiding fruit for Jesus. See, you might be here this morning, and you might say, Pastor Walker, I wish I could produce fruit for him. In fact, the word fruit, every time, six times in the Gospel of John to use, it always talks about evangelism fruit. We're talking about reaching people and their souls for the gospel. And Jesus is going to say this, if there's no abiding, there will be no going. And if there's no going, there will be no bearing fruit. And you might say, Pastor Walker, but you don't understand my personality. Well, I'm shy and I'm easily afraid and I don't talk well in public. And by the way, I've thought about doing that many times, but... You know, I'm always afraid I don't have enough Bible knowledge. And I'm not, what if I say the wrong thing? I don't want to lead someone astray and down the wrong path. Can I tell you, Jesus would say to you as kindly as possible, but straight to you, he would say those are all excuses. They may be true, and those fears and those shyness may be real. But you know what Jesus says the key to it is why people do or don't bear fruit? It's not external to you. Not your personality or your shyness or your Bible knowledge. All those things can change. You know what it is? He says, abiding is the reason why. See, people who are abiding are people who are going. And people who are going are people that are going to bear fruit. And it's in a trajectory. Bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit, he says. Now listen, I read the text, and what I don't want to do this morning is to say, hey, you need to reach your neighbors, and you need to reach your friends, and you need to be telling people about Jesus, and giving out the gospel, and bearing fruit, because that's what Christians do, and I can try to guilt you into it. And all I have to do is ask anyone, when's the last time that you gave any witness to anyone, verbally? Not just that you said did something nice, as good as that is, an example before them, those are fantastic things. When's the last time that you actually got someone in your life that you gave them the the full gospel from beginning to end or tried to do that? Now, see, I can guilt you because maybe it's been days, weeks, months, years. When is the last time you actually had someone get saved? Now, I know God controls the fruit, doesn't he, and how much fruit you get? And I can do that, but here's what I found in the text. That God doesn't want to guilt you into evangelism. He wants to grow you into evangelism. So I don't want you to go out of here and say, oh, man, I don't want anyone to... That's not too bad, but it's not the greatest motivation. You know what the greatest one is? wonder if I was abiding more, maybe I would be going more. And if I was abiding more and growing more, maybe I'd be bearing more fruit. Maybe it's time for me to stop the excuses and stop worrying about the external stuff and say, maybe the problem is internal. Maybe it's an abiding issue that really is my problem. Can I just say it to you? Maybe we just have an oxygen shortage. Maybe that the mask has come down but it's just dangling there. And we believe the mask can dangle there. We're not going to put it on, but we're going to ignore the stewardess and the, and, the, and the attendant and the gospel. And we're going to say, hey, I don't need to have this on, but I'll try to help people, but I'm not sucking in the oxygen. No, no I don't need that. See, I, I can tell you this. No abiding. It won't happen if you are in a hurry. It won't happen if you're too busy. Abiding cannot happen 
If sports, it plays too big a role in your life or your kids or your family. If you're watching too much TV, if you're amusing yourself, I have come to this statement, and I wrote it in my own notes. Fruitful Christians are not made on the run. They aren't. If abiding is really the reason why we're not going and we're not bearing fruit, maybe it's because we're on the run and we don't have time to stand still and be with Jesus because we need to stay in order to go. And I have found this. People who are not abiding in him, you know what they end up having? They make so much of everything other than bearing fruit. They put things of lesser value to be of such great value because To me, their world has shrunk down to be this small and all their personal agenda and plans and all their things, this is all they can talk about and complain about or even issue things about in their lives because they can't get outside into the big picture of what really matters to God. You know why? Because they're not abiding. Jesus says, you know what bearing fruit is? He goes, I've chosen you for it. I've appointed you to it. Can I tell you, do you know why Jesus saved you? Here it is, not to get your way about everything. He chose you that you could, listen, you could put your mind and your heart and your money and your time to what really matters, people's eternal destiny. And abiding keeps us on mission. It doesn't allow us to get into our trivial, petty little things about our lives and agenda so it's so much smaller and forget about what matters. That's what happens when you don't abide. You become selfish. And I can tell you this, people who don't abide, they don't go. They don't bear fruit. You know why? Because they're not on mission. To stay on Jesus' mission, you got to stay in him. I looked it up on the internet. There are signs of oxygen deprivation. And they are as follows. It begins with cognitive disturbances, which is a fancy way of saying you don't think clearly. And then you begin to turn, as time goes on, different shades of blue because you're not breathing. Your heart rate increases and you begin to feel things and you emotionally become very much panicked. And then it says you go to fainting, loss of consciousness, and then you go into a coma, and if not stopped, eventually you will die. So I took those and I said, what about spiritual oxygen deprivation? You know what happens when you're not abiding in Jesus and you're not putting what matters most first in your life like he is, and you're not on mission with him? Guess what? cognitive disturbances begin to come. You begin thinking that, oh, this is really the main problem, and this is what really bothers me, and this is really important, and I'm going to really get, you know, instead, and we forget about what really matters to him. We don't really think about what matters most in life. And then we become blue believers, people who are beginning to turn blue, and you can't see it when you look in the mirror, unless, of course, it's the mirror of God's word. And our heart rate increases, and we become emotionally upset and disturbed, and we get really bent out of shape about all kinds of things that matter to us, and we forget about the things that matter to him. And then we have faith that starts fainting, and we lose consciousness about the souls around us, and we can go months and and longer without even witnessing or reaching people, but that doesn't matter because these problems are what press us. In our lives. And then we have coma Christians. 
who are basically coming to church in a coma, but they haven't even considered thinking about, praying about, witnessing to, intentionally planning on anyone else in their lives. See, Jesus says, you need to abide in me. My words and my love, and it shows up in your obedience. And when that is your lifestyle, see, abiding in me, see, then I'm going to tell you this. Now that you're staying in me, I want you to go. I want you to go out there and reach people. You go and you bear fruit, he says, for me. So it's time for us at Faith Baptist Church, as we consider and move into 2019, and our theme is to go to grow. And can I tell you, it's also grow to go. Growing in Jesus Christ, abiding in him, and that will mean we will go. And when we go, we will grow because Faith Baptist Church will grow because people are getting saved and baptized and added to our church. But too often, instead of abiding in Jesus, we abide in our pews. And we abide where we are. And because we're not really growing, we're not really going. Is that you? And we may feel bad about it, and rightfully so. But can I tell you on the positive side, let's be encouraged this year. That's why we supplied this sermon notebook. You know why? Because we want and pray that God's people at Faith Baptist would grow. Can I tell you what's at stake in your growth? The souls of men. Because if you're not growing, and your world is this small, and all your personal issues and problems is all you can see, and you haven't contemplated anything bigger. See, if you're not growing, you're not going. And that means people may be dying and going to a Christless eternity, because your world is so small. I don't know about you, but the words of Jesus scare me when he says, without me... You're not abiding in me. You can do nothing. I don't want to have a nothing year. Do you? Here's my goal this year. Three words. No more nothing. No more nothing. It's time to go across the street. It's time to go across the hall at work. It's time to go across the ocean if that's necessary. Because I want to grow. And I want to go. And I want to reach people with the gospel. And someday, and who knows, it could be soon. And I'm so glad Tim sang that song. And the verse that struck me when he did was, when it comes to die. I know my father died, and many of you had relatives and family members who died. And I'm not promised tomorrow. I'm 54. I don't know if I'm going to reach 55. And the day that I die, I know this, I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I wonder if he'll say, good fruit, because it's a good tree. I want to be able to say that Jesus bore fruit in my life and that because I abided in him, there was more than nothing. There was something there. Did you see what he said? Can I say and I close? Without me, you can do nothing. The idea is if you're abiding, it means you're in Christ and you're staying still, but you won't stand still. You are going to do Something. Let's do something about the lost people in Hamilton and Trenton and the surrounding. Let's do something this year. Not on our own, with him. In him, with him, for him. That's why we read our Bibles. And that's why we get on our knees and pray. Not because of my private, personal spirituality. No, because it's the fuel that fans the flame of mission for the glory of God. 
So someday we're going to stand in front of him and there's going to be a fruit inspection. And he's not going to look at your profession in some service at the end of an evangelistic message and what you said. He's going to say, show me the fruit. Show me the fruit. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Jesus says it twice in Matthew. You shall know them by their fruits, Matthew 12, 33. I don't want to be that tree. I want to be a fruit-bearing tree. But it can't happen unless I'm connected to the oxygen. Let's connect this year. Let's go out of our way whether it's a sermon notebook, getting in the Bible, walking. Listen, get in a small group, get in a discipleship group. You know why? Because they foster fruit. That's what they do. That's why we started them. Next Sunday will be a year. That's why we have small groups, and that's why we have D groups, and that's why we come to, you know why? Because we're trying to get God's people to see growth in their life, because growing means going, and going means growing Let's do it together. And let me close with this. You know the vast majority of pronouns in John 15 are not singular. Although it says every branch, they're plural. God intended you and me and all of us together to do this. And it's going to mean all of us together doing it. So we have to have intentional plans about going and growing this year at Faith Baptist Church. Listen, you know what my desire is? I wish every seat in this place was filled, and it can be. Not so we can say, wow, we instead of having 400 people, we had 500 people. No, it's not about success and all, none of that stuff. You know why? Because it would mean this. If we had 100 more people by the end of this year, we would be growing numerically, but most of all spiritually, because you would be out there reaching people, having them over, doing things. It would mean amazing things taking place and God's spirit doing it. Will you join us this year? Join us that we can go and grow to the glory of God. Let's close in prayer. Father, may we abide in you this year. Abide in you. It's a daily thing. And if we get so busy and so hurried and we have this appointment and this engagement and we have to do this and we have this. And see, we, some of us don't even have time or don't make the time to get up and have the Bible every morning. We don't. And we have so little time. I mean, if we pray two minutes a day, we think we've done it all right. And we microwave everything, including our spirituality. And there won't be any going with that. And there won't be any growing Father, I pray, change that. Transform that in our lives. We're going to have to cut some things off, stop some things, reevaluate our priorities, use our money and our talent, our times differently. We're going to have to make, have a family meeting and say, hey, we're going a different direction this year. It's going to mean some hard choices for families and for individuals and for us as a church. But if we're going to do mission with you, if we're going to be on mission with you, if we're going to bear fruit for you, that's what it's going to take. God, help us to have the humility and the brokenness to do that, that your kingdom and your gospel might be enlarged and furthered here in Hamilton and around the world. And we'll thank you for that in advance, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.